Who in the organization is responsible for the employee journey? Do you have an e-exchange coalition? This is not an HR job. So much bigger and broader than it is your leaders together that are responsible for creating the employment experience of their team. You are uniting them together in terms of what that ideal employment journey looks like. What is the gift that we're giving to them? What makes this gift different than the gift of the organization next door? It should be different. And you have to define that. And then once you know what that looks like and you can give that gift to your people, then you're ready to do CX. Welcome to the Simple Brand Podcast, the show dedicated to helping you create simple experiences for your customers and for your team members. Each week, we're bringing you amazing interviews with business leaders and authors who will teach you how to differentiate your business with the one thing your customers need the most, simplicity. Your customers live in a complex world. Let's make it simple. Now, here's your host, Matt Lyles. Helping you learn how to create loyal customers and loyal employees all through the power of simplicity. This is the Simple Brand Podcast, now heard around the world, including Spalding, Lincolnshire, England. I'm your host, Matt Lyles, and today I'm excited to be talking with another one of my good friends, Nate Brown. Nate lives right here in my current hometown of Nashville, Tennessee, but he's known all across the globe for his customer experience expertise. In fact, It seems like Nate's rarely ever in town because he's constantly on the road being invited to talk at customer experience conferences all around the world. Nate's the Senior Director of Customer Experience for Arise Virtual Solutions. But beyond that, he's really one of the biggest experts in the customer experience industry. Now, I say he's an expert, but Nate proclaims himself more of a perpetual student of the world's greatest experiences who simply shares his learnings with the world. And in line with his nature of sharing his learnings, Nate's also the founder and head of CX Accelerator. It's an online community of customer experience professionals all sharing their learnings, their guidance, their mentorship with each other. Nate and I discuss lessons on having a frictionless, seamless customer experience and how that helps your brand stand out. And we also discuss how you can instill a customer experience mindset into every team in your organization, even the non-customer facing teams. So here it is. Here's my interview with Nate Brown. Hey, Nate. Welcome to the show. Hey, everybody. Hello, Matt. Happy, what is today, Tuesday to you. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. It's um, with the temperatures as high as it is. I just stay inside and just don't worry about what day it is. Today is stay inside day. That's what day it is. (laughs) Well, I would do that, Matt, but you know how addicted I am right now to pickleball. uh, So I I do have to go outside and play. (laughs) I'm I'm sorry, (laughs) but if that helps you get your pickleball fix in and you're okay with it, then good for you. (laughs) (laughs) You got to do it. Well, so thanks for being here. I'm excited that we finally actually get to talk in the podcast. We've talked online. We've talked in person. um, We have geeked out over CX. We've geeked out over customer experience. And I've enjoyed this, but I I want others to be able to hear the conversation as well. So one thing I think of, you know, when you look at the CX industry, you're one of the names that pops up consistently as one of the biggest voices in customer experience. But I'm assuming that 
being a CX leader wasn't necessarily what you were dreaming of, you know, when you were a little kid, you know, when, when people say like, well, what do you want to be when you grow up? I want to be a CX leader. Talk to me about your CX path and what brought you here today. Yeah. Well, I, I'm thrilled that I pop up on Google when, when you type in CX people or wherever yeah. I pop up. Uh, but I'm, I'm definitely a student of the work. I'm not somebody that has this figured out. And I feel like what, one of the reasons that I, I've been able to develop a bit of a following is because I'm learning so much from this community and, I, and I'm giving it back. And, and that's my whole MO. I do not have the answers. I'm, I'm learning alongside you. And this puzzle of CX is amazing to me. It's oh, yeah. so left brain and right brain. It's so complicated. And yet it's time so simple <laughs> to, to use the simple brain concept. Yeah. We just need to do the things that we know are going to enhance the perceptions that people have towards the brand. And, and sometimes we just overcomplicate that so much. So I, I love this puzzle of CX and I love the community around it. Uh, but as far as my path into it, I wanted to be a pro golfer. That's all I did growing up. I was playing golf like crazy. I was on three different junior golf tours and just absolutely loved that. But the thing about golf, it's a very lone wolf thing. You're, you're not a part of a team. Right. It's really right. you versus the course in that scenario. And if you can beat the course better than all the other players beat the course, then you emerge on top of the podium. Uh, yeah. So there's a very lone wolf aspect that kind of developed. And, and of course, I kind of carried that into my career at first. And, and I was in sales it was my first job right out of college, which, you know, that lone wolf mentality can lend itself well into that type of aggressive sales role. For me, it was selling postage meters on the streets of Jacksonville, Florida. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so if I didn't have that aggressive competitive mentality, I would have made it about three days in that job. And, and I fought for 11 months in that role. And uh, eventually the, uh, the strip malls of Jacksonville, Florida beat me uh, all the cold calling and getting knocked out of office buildings was just too darn much. And uh, and ultimately, I morphed into a customer service role because I found out in that process of selling postage meters, I love developing relationships with the clients that already have the device yeah. <laughs> and trying to maximize value for them. So I was like, you know what? I want to I want to serve inside of a team. I'm tired of this lone wolf stuff. I, I want to be a part of something where we're building something together and, and developing meaningful work inside of a team context. And, and so jumped into it at the time it was pure safety and was able to uh, be a part of an amazing customer service team. And uh, we got acquired by UL. And then I eventually took the, the mantle of that team as the director over that. We had three different teams combined into that unit. And we were doing all kinds of amazing customer service, uh, everything from, from construction workers looking to get their online course for construction and general industry OSHA card, all the way through to like your uh, occupational health nurses and doctors that were facilitating workplace safety and health. Uh, so it was a very complicated ecosystem that we were supporting. Uh, but what, what grew frustrating to me is that we were so reactive in this model. We were just taking the yeah. same questions again and again from these people that were running into the same problems again and again. And it was yeah. like, why, why don't we go upstream in this journey, this customer journey, and try to resolve some of this stuff up there, set different expectations, develop a stronger relationship so that when we get over to this issue resolution area called customer service, our life is better. The customer's life is better. It just changes the dynamic. The, the word I was looking for, Matt, was customer experience. I just didn't know it yet. And right. uh, yeah, and it was through some mentorship through Annette Franz and Jeff Toyster and Justin Robbins. Oh, yeah. 
reading some amazing books, including this one right here, The Effortless yes. Experience, which really originally blew my mind, you know, back in, I guess it was like 2013. Okay. Where I was just like, oh my gosh, there's so much more to these customer relationships than what I'm considering right now. And uh, that really paved the way for me to just jump with both feet into CX. Well, and I think that brings me to something else I wanted to talk about. So I'm not currently looking for another job. I'm pretty happy with where I am right now. But every once in a while, like I'll get on LinkedIn and I'll see like different job postings. And I love looking at different customer experience job postings. A lot of times I will look at a customer experience job posting and I'll read what it is and I'll read the details and I'll say to myself, that's not really customer experience, even though it's customer experience in title. So you talked about customer service, customer support. I'm curious. I'd like to hear from you. What do you see as the difference between customer service, customer support, and customer experience? Yeah, I think it's an important question. And, and I've got a good friend right now who is seeking a CX leadership position, and he is so frustrated yeah. at the collusion of terms uh, it is, it's almost impossible for him to identify a legitimate opportunity because of the collusion of customer success, customer service, oh, wow. customer experience, and account management, really. There's just such a collusion of, of these things. So, I mean, really in my mind, and there's others that speak far more eloquently about this than I do, but to simplify it for my simple brain, uh, customer experience to me is this big journey, this big relationship with a customer. Let's think about it as a boat cruising through the ocean. Nice. And, and you're going through and you're trying to get to this island to, to party together, to have a good time on this island. And you're <laughs> navigating this journey and something goes wrong. <laughs> the I don't know if you saw the Carnival cruise ship. There was somebody that posted a picture the other day of the giant fin on the Carnival boat just on fire. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was terrifying, but it was so funny to me because like, he, he kind of panned around and everybody's just chilling on the pool deck like nothing's going on. And then he yeah. turns around. There's this giant fire behind him. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, my gosh. But let, let's say that happens. OK, the, the journey, we, we've been knocked out of the ideal journey. Something needs to happen to put us back in flow, to put us back on the path of, of that ideal journey. Customer service is there to resolve issues, to mitigate damage, to enhance those moments in time where we have friction to bring us back into the journey and even sometimes to make the whole experience even better than it could have been if there was never an issue in the first place. You know, customer service has that superpower to do that. As proactive as we can get <laughs> to anticipate issues and resolve them even before we happen, that, that's a true CX mentality. Uh, but generally speaking, customer service is there to fix problems and to restore the ideal CX path. That's my interpretation. What do you think, Matt? I'm in the same boat. You know, I say that customer experience, it's the sum total of every single interaction, every single touch point that a customer has with your brand. 100%. And then when it comes to the definition of your customer experience, okay, like, well, what is this company's customer experience like? You don't get to define that. No. It's your customer that defines ah, it. I love that. Now, you can have an aspirational definition of your company's customer experience. You can say, we say our customer experience is this. Mm. Now, does the customer say the same thing? 
If so, great, you've done your job. But a lot of times that's not the case. But the customer experience, again, it's that sum total of every interaction, every touch point. And I like how you talked about customer support. It's their job to mitigate any issues or challenges that arise. And then when you were talking earlier about when you were in customer support role, not having fully understood, you know, that there's a whole customer experience mindset out there. It's like that definition of insanity. You keep solving the same problem over and over and over and over, and you're just reacting to those same challenges and issues. You (laughs) shared the book, The Effortless Experience. Um, You know, shout out to Chip and Dan Heath with their book, Upstream. You know, you go upstream mm. to solve mm. those problems and to better understand how you can create, uh, a, to, to your terms, how you can create a smoother journey. Yeah. Yeah. I got to teach a journey mapping workshop last week in Minneapolis at Frost and Sullivan. Nice. And we, and we talked a lot about how that happens. We're a friction point. That, that occurs here in the journey, a lot of mm-hmm. times that friction point started to develop like two stages upstream in the customer journey where either a, a, an expectation was set incorrectly or certain okay. things were set in motion. And then all of a sudden down here, there's a friction point. But so if yeah. we think about our, our customer relationship in terms of just the little area in which we departmentally interface with them, and we don't think about this larger journey, this sum of the parts of the customer relationship then it's no wonder why we're so ignorant to why the customer comes in with the mentality and the behaviors that they do when we're interfacing with them. So we got to be smarter than that. We got to be relatable as a big macro organization so that we can harness the power of this customer journey thinking. Well, how do you solve that? Because a lot of times when you've got a functional area, when you've got a team, they own their area. Yeah. They own their area's piece of the customer experience. Right. That's what they're focused on. So how do you get them to see the whole picture? How do you get them to see the whole journey? How do you get them to understand how to interact with all the other teams to make sure that everyone's you know, on the same boat? Yeah, I mean, this is the work of a great CX leader. <laughs> it's having that awareness of the big, the macro journey, but that alignment in terms of what are the things that we're doing in each of these touch points to enhance the overall customer relationship, their overall perception of us. So having a really good voice of customer engine, to use a Gene Bliss term Mm -hmm. there, having that voice of customer engine in place to where you can be connecting your employees across the organization to the reality of the customer throughout that journey, bringing it to them in a compelling way. Journey maps is just one way. (laughs) There's a lot of ways that we can tell the story of the customer in a compelling way and bring that to our employees daily, at least weekly, so that they truly understand how are we serving these people? What, what, What is going on in their lives as we try to be the guide for them on this journey towards their definition of success? How can I be a better guide? How are we together guiding the customer relationship? And then specifically in this stage of the journey, in this level of the game, how can I be the absolute best that I can be? So that there's that alignment that comes. There's that awareness that comes from a great voice of customer engine and a great CX leader that's bringing that intelligence and bringing that unification uh, across the org. So you talk about being a guide. You mean being a guide for the customer on their customer journey? 100%. 
It's coming straight from Building a Story Brand by Donald yep. Miller. Yep. Classic stuff. I think, Matt, you're certified in this, aren't you? Uh, not certified, no. Okay. But let's say well-versed. Okay, indeed. Yeah. So, I mean, the customer is the hero of the story. We're not. <laughs> and, and that right there is such a beautiful mindset shift of this journey's not about me. We exist to help the journeys of the customers that are coming to us for this service, for the help that we provide. And so being able to identify what that ideal journey looks like, having clarity in terms of where can I be the best guide? Where can I serve this group of people better than anybody else in the world? And then what does that role of guide actually look like? That right there brings such a clarity to the organization's purpose. It brings such a, a mentality shift. It brings these set of behaviors of this is what a good guide does. This is what we together do to guide this group of people who are on this journey trying to solve this problem towards this definition of success. And when we do this together and we do it well, here's what happens in the lives of the people that we serve. I mean, that, that's a powerful story that we can tell as CX leaders. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that serves as the reminder as who's really first? You know, who comes first in all this? It's your customer. 100%. But what gets in the way of this is the quarterly shareholder mentality that plagues most organizations today in terms of you got to make this money by this time. That is yeah. the killer of any long-term CX initiative, a CX revolution in which you're trying to change the long-term dynamic, the long-term partnership with your customers. This stuff takes time. We're speaking in terms of macro journeys. That's the work of CX. You can't squeeze CX success into a single quarter. So it doesn't fit that mentality that a lot of business leaders are under right now. Right. Well, and they're under that mentality because they're kind of being forced into it. 100%. Whether it's their C-suite or the board or whoever else it says. And you can look at companies' mission statements. Just look at their mission statement and you will read, we are here to provide returns to our shareholders. Usually the shareholder is the first person mentioned in a mission statement. And that's yeah. when you know that the customer doesn't really come first with that company. And, and I get it. I mean, that's the nature of the world. That is yeah. the capitalism society that we're currently bound to. I, I mean, it's just, it's amazing to me, as soon as the business starts to get a little bit behind, we gamify short-term success yeah. at the detriment of long-term customer relationship. If, if you want to excel <laughs> with any business metric, it, it doesn't matter what it is. There's great research that just came out from Watershed. Companies that are entering into this recession period potentially and having to make these changes and do these things, those that have excelled in the area of customer experience, they have bound themselves in an ecosystem of success where they're, they're still gaining market share. <laughs> Whereas right. these other organizations that are not excelling on the CX index, they are now in a world of hurt. So you, you can't compromise long-term customer relationship to gamify that short-term quarterly revenue goal because that, that will help you to survive for one, maybe two quarters. If you want to exist next year and the year after, CX is still how you do that. I think it's a focus on, like what you said, focusing on that long-term relationship. How mm -hmm. do you retain your customers and how do you keep a strong relationship and how do you build that relationship with them to make it go even further versus focusing on just simply the immediate transaction every time. 
Exactly. Exactly. I mean, it's so easy to fall into those pitfalls and those mentalities because so much of us are held accountable to that short-term thinking. (laughs) If we want to get the money, if we want to get the incentive, whatever it is, we have to do this thing right now. And we're, we're oftentimes we forget about what that's going to mean. Q3, Q4, 2023. We can't do that. Yeah. You talked about how with each team, um, having this understanding, this mindset of being a guide for the customer. But when you elevate it a little bit and you look at a customer experience, a CX leader or the CX team, I think there's an opportunity for them to play the guide role as well in at least a few areas. They're the guide for the customer, of course, along the overall journey. Mm -hmm. I think there's an opportunity for them to be the guide in their organization, a guide to their peers and all the other teams to help them understand the value of CX. What do you think? I think think you're a smart guy, Matt. Um, Yeah, I mean, 100%, right? Yeah. You and my mom both agree. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a huge John Coder fan. And so if you think about leading change, I mean, the iconic framework of actually making any change, whether it's CX change, culture change, digital transformation, if we want change to stick, there are things we have to do, tough work that has to be done to sow those seeds in a way that they're actually going to grow long term. And the second one, after establishing a sense of urgency, is a CX change coalition. It's a change coalition. So, I mean, yeah. we as a CX leader, we, we're bringing together that CX change coalition and galvanizing them with common purpose, aligning their mentalities, aligning their behaviors, demonstrating what it looks like to be the guide across that entire journey, but then also what it looks like for them. Here's the friction points that are happening here. Here's where they're coming from. And no, that's not quote unquote your fault, but we're working on the expectation there with this group. You get to help us solve the problem here. And here's how you get to do that. You you get to bring that clarity, that alignment, that macro vision of the customer relationship in a way that they can't. They can't think that way for themselves because they're going to have to view their team, their relationship with the customer in this area. So you got to open their eyes to all these other areas. So I was really bad at this at first, Matt. I was really bad. And and so I I have a little metaphor that I, I like to joke with. I, when I first started doing a CX role inside of a major organization, I, I subscribed to the Moses model of CX, uh, which I, I just took my golden tablets of voice of customer data off of Mount Sinai and just slammed them down in front of different business leaders. Is like, you suck. You oh. suck. And yeah. here's all the ways that the customer is saying that you suck. And, and you can imagine how motivating that was for, oh, for any course. business leader. Uh, it wasn't. It's like, get out, get out of here. Like, you're not, you're not helping me to solve a problem. You're, you're not illuminating a truth for me. You're just reinforcing a, something I already don't understand. I, I don't need to be, to be lectured about this thing that's already frustrating for me. In watching uh, Lord of the Rings, uh, nice. <laughs> I, I started to morph more towards the mentality of, oh, my goodness, look at Gandalf over here. And how he's bringing together a CX change coalition in the fellowship of the ring fellowship, a fellowship. And and he's galvanizing them with a common purpose. We got to We got to kill this ring. We got to destroy this ring. And here's where we have to do it. And then, I mean, the wheels are set in motion. Suddenly the dwarves are working with the elves, which would never happen. The kingdoms of men that hated each other are now aligning under a common purpose. And all of a sudden you have Gandalf, who you think is going to be the hero he like falls into a crevasse for a movie and a half. 
Right. And it's this little hobbit that has the ring. And then that hobbit, you think he's the hero. He's the underdog. No, he gets like eaten by a spider for like half a movie. And then it's the <laughs> gardener who picks it up and the gardener has the ring. He has the hope of all of mankind. And, and that, I mean, that is, that is what the CX leader does is give that clarity of purpose to the customer relationship. Here's what we're doing as the guide. Here's how we're serving people. We are all responsible for this ring. <laughs> yeah. And here's what it looked like as we carry this ring together. Here's how we get to do it as an organization together. And that is a good CX leader, but it happens through that CX change coalition. Wow. <laughs> you know, now I have to go back and rewatch all three Lord of the Rings movies. A hundred percent. It'll be a great weekend for you. From change management and uh, CX coalition viewpoint. hundred percent. All right. Well, my, my weekend is scheduled. <laughs> But that goes back to one of the things that you mentioned that I really, really loved when you point out the problem to one of the functional teams or that functional team's leadership, it may be their fault. But, but to say, you know what, here's what's happening, and this is not your fault. Right. One, that that helps them realize, you know what, that you're not coming in guns a-blazing, literally pointing fingers at them. It's like, this is a problem. It's not your fault. Oh, man. But I'm here to help you solve this. Oh, I mean, there's so much um, Patrick Lencioni wisdom that, that's flowing out of you right now, Matt. I mean, so <laughs> most most organizations, you have these fiefdoms, yeah. these little yeah. vulnerable kingdoms that have been set up inside the organization. And they're just trying to prove that it's not their fault to the rest of the executive team. Right. <laughs> that doesn't lend itself to being the guide, having a strong customer-centric culture. That that does not translate. So when you use Patrick Lincioni wisdom around creating a team of one CX Change Coalition, galvanizing that senior leadership team together in terms of this is what we're doing. We're, we're working on this together. It's not about whose fault this is. It's not about trying to establish dominance over these strategic priorities. We're just working right. together to serve the customer the best that we can. And when you can create that ecosystem and that maturity among your senior leadership team, suddenly CX becomes possible. Yeah. Well, so then hopefully at that point, you've got these different teams, all part of this new fellowship, the fellowship Indeed. of CX, <laughs> all these teams that are have hopefully understood and realized, okay, yes, I understand. Here's what we can do to do our part. They're still in separate teams. They're still owning separate pieces of the customer journey. Then what can you do to help make sure that as the customer journeys through each of these areas, how can you help the teams make sure that it's a seamless journey? Yeah, I mean, that's a constant influx of great voice of customer data. Where are these customers seeing the friction points now? We, we just released this. We, our marketing came out with this new messaging that is now creating a friction point down here in implementation because they expected this thing. I can now understand where that expectation came from because we introduced the product in this new way and customers are thinking it, it's going to do this. What we actually meant was this. We need to crystallize that. We need to set a clear expectation in the awareness stage so it does not become a friction point down here in sales and implementation. So, I mean, that that's the type of wisdom that a great voice of customer engine will bring to you. It's a constant truth bringer in terms of where that pain is coming from, 
where you're not being an effective guide, <laughs> where you're bringing hurdles to that customer definition of success of guiding them towards where they want to go <laughs> to be the best person they can be, where you're not effectively bringing them there, that will be revealed so clearly and consistently. Wow. Well, so then talk to me about a good voice of the customer system. How deep should you go? How often should you be getting these insights through voice of customer and then actually using the insights? Yeah, I mean, voice of customer is a complicated science. So I know this is the simple brand podcast. I'm going to make this as clear and simple as I possibly can. You need to be where your customers are talking. You need to be ready to listen where they are offering up perception information. Mm -hmm. So generally speaking, like 80% of that is going to be in an unstructured environment. (laughs) They're talking to other people. They're leaving reviews on a social site. They're they're speaking about you in a third-party community, like Slick Deals or Reddit or something like that. They're talking about you in these places that you don't control. (laughs) And that's really hard as a CX leader. Historically, it was impossible. And and we had to rely on our structured voice of customer channels, surveys. Yeah. Surveys suck and they're not working. Generally speaking, the best chance you possibly have is right here on a mobile device on an incredibly timely and optimized survey to the mobile device. I mean, you can get up to, you know, 7, 10% response rate on something like that. Like an email-based survey these days, you're talking about 1% or 2% response rate, like max. Um, So it's really hard to get any kind of substantial VOC data with just those structured channels. But now with customer sentiment, with the incredible revolutions that have come through customer experience management platforms like Qualtrics, like Medallia, like SurveySensum, there's incredible tools now that can take structured and unstructured data. It can optimize the way that we ask for it, incredibly optimizes the way that we bring it in and that we organize it, tag it, see it, understand it, measure sentiment through it without having to ask the customer, how did you feel about this interaction? We were there. We were there for the interaction. (laughs) Let's use the text. Let's use the video recording. Let's use the recorded phone call. Let's use whatever we can grab in that interaction that we just had with the customer. We can pretty well decide for ourselves how good that interaction went through the incredible machine learning capabilities that we have now. So voice of customer just got a lot easier by, by having the right partner here to be able to absorb structured and unstructured information and use it in a meaningful way. Beyond VOC, are there other areas or other methods we can we can use to better understand, number one, better understand our customer, and number two, understand what our customers go through when they go through our customer journey? Yep. It's, it's having a community. I mean, the, the best brands in the world, Matt, I mean, you're allowing this person to become who they want to become a little bit more. And they're gaining a sense of identity because of that relationship that they have with you. They're achieving their definition of success and you're guiding them there. That's an important role in their lives. And and certainly, you know, different natures of products and services, the depth of that relationship is going to vary. I understand that. But for, for those opportunities where we can have that depth of relationship, we have a very meaningful product or service that we're offering. Galvanizing that relationship through a good community where we're bringing our customers together and helping them to celebrate that positive life change that we're bringing to them, 
by being an effective guide and bringing people that are on a common journey together that are trying to get that same accomplishment in their lives completed and that learning that can happen together, that peer-to-peer relationship building that can happen together, these are powerful loyalty drivers. So beyond VOC, bringing people together in, in a really strong customer community, it's amazing how many benefits can come from that. That makes a lot of sense. Did you know that in addition to my podcast and my articles, I speak to audiences all over to help them simplify their customer experience and simplify their employee experience? I've spent the last few years leading a crusade of simplicity across the globe. If you want a winning brand, you have to provide a simple experience to your customers and to your team members. Whether it's a live event or a virtual event, I'd love to partner with you and teach your audience how to do just that. With over a decade in marketing, I know how to hook and captivate an audience. And as a speaker, I know how to connect with that audience. Along with my lessons, I use stories and humor to keep everyone engaged and inspired. Then they leave with the knowledge and next steps to transform their business. As an event planner, you're managing lots of details to give your audience the most memorable event. The last thing you need is a speaker who will make your event memorable for all the wrong reasons. Not only will I leave your audience energized and inspired, I'll make it easy for your team to work with me. Hey, if I've built my brand around simplicity, then you know I'm going to make it simple for you. When you visit mattliles.com speaking, You'll find everything you need to know, including details on my topics, promotional materials, and most importantly, a link to connect with my team so we can book your event. So visit mattliles.com slash speaking. I can't wait to help your audience brand out from the crowd. Do you have any examples of who's doing community building really well? Yeah, I mean, there's there's several game studios that I work with, and, and I, I can't mention them. Uh, but I mean, it's amazing what they've done around Discord and, and bringing people yeah. together and getting people excited about uh, the, the new features that are coming out, the new things that are happening within a game or beyond the game itself, within that ecosystem of players that are so excited to engage around this environment, this beautiful form of art that's been given to them. Right. It's not necessarily about the game. It's about that larger player experience that they're getting together to escape reality and enter into this incredible universe that's been created for them. The other players are a huge part of that. The community is a huge part of that. The game itself is just kind of the interface. But it's these relationships that are happening. I I just shot a wedding, Matt, recently where the groomsmen, I kid you not, had never met each other in person. They were gamers. They had been gaming together oh, for like 15 wow. years. And I mean, you would never know it. I mean, the, the incredible authenticity of these relationships that these men had with each other coming into a wedding and wow. just hit it off. They had never met each other in person. So there's, there's robust and rich communities that are being created out there through in the gaming world. There's other retail environments that are creating great communities as well. I love Dick's Sporting Goods. And, and their ability to bring people together in this sense of community, they're all about empowering great relationships and great sports in the communities that they serve. And it's not just about the, the retail experience of buying a thing. They have these really neat facilities now that are, are creating opportunities for people to engage 
with others in their communities in new and exciting ways and to do stuff that they never could do before. So, I mean, Dick's Sporting Goods, are they're innovating that relationship that they have with their athletes and they don't call them customer service people there. They call them athlete engagement specialists or like something cool like that because that's what they're doing. They're engaging these athletes in this really neat way and they're building community around the relationships that they have with their customers. Um, so I, I could go on and offer some other examples, but in, in the sake of time, I'll, I'll go ahead and stop. <laughs> yeah, no, that that makes sense. Well, those are both great examples from different industries. And I think it's just all about maybe removing those blinders that say, oh, in my industry, this wouldn't work. You know what? What would it look like if it did work? Okay, what would it look like if you could put your customers together? Sometimes maybe that is a discord group where yeah. everyone is online and no one has ever actually met in person. Sometimes it could be like localized chapters exactly. where people are actually getting together in person, or it could be anything else. What would it look like if you could get your customers together in a community? There's two companies here in Nashville, Matt, that I'm sure you've heard of that do this really well. Schneider Electric. Yep. They're yeah. a utilities company. Right. So if, if, if anybody could be excused from the burden of great relationships, you, you would think like a utilities company. No, they have this incredible tagline of life is on. It's way more than electricity. It's like, how can we make life be on? Make it exciting, make it fun, make it good. And they're doing incredible service into the communities that they bring power to. And they're powering just amazing outcomes to, to make life better for people. I mean, Schneider Electric – Thumbs up. And then uh, Ramsey Solutions, too. The yes. Dave Ramsey organization. Yeah. Crazy how they galvanize their employees in, in a really special way, but then also serving these people to get financial freedom and bringing people together on that path. I mean, it's I get goosebumps when I see somebody get up and do their debt-free scream on, on their podcast or on, on their television show. I mean, and that's just, that's so inspiring. The serotonin that flows through of that shout of, I'm debt free. You've helped me. You've been the guide for me in, in something that was crippling my ability to live my life. You have freed me up. And that message goes out to all these other people that are struggling with that same issue and it's empowering for them. That's what great brands do right there. Well, and another thing with that, especially as it relates to Ramsey Solutions, you can look at maybe an unstructured community of them online in social media. Whenever any of the Ramsey personalities will you know, post one of their financial lessons online, you'll have hundreds of comments you know, in there. And a lot of comments will be supportive of it. Some comments will be Let's say, you know, to, to be nice, let's say they'll be questioning that sure. lesson, but then you'll yeah. have community members, not necessarily like oh. that personality or Ramsey Solutions as a company, yep. but community members coming in and explaining it further to that person or helping them understand, you know, that this, this is not just theoretical. This is real life. Here's how it worked for me. Oh, my goodness. The, the authenticity of that type yeah. of customer service, because that that right there is customers serving customers. They're helping them to be the guide for one another. The, the company has simply created the ecosystem in which that can happen, and they facilitate that and keep that into a safe, good environment. Yeah. But when you can create that type of community right there where customers are serving customers in a really good and positive, and positive way, you yeah, have yeah. given a gift. You have given them a sense of identity that is remarkable. That, that is another thing that great brands do. 
Yeah, that's when you have evangelists that are actually promoting your brand without you doing anything to prompt them to promote your brand, but then also taking it to another level by serving other customers. Exactly. Without any financial benefit to yourself. Mm. No, there's so much power in that, but it's hard. It's hard. I've tried to create a community like this from scratch inside of an organization that I was in in the past. And, and it was really, really hard to get it going. That's why more companies aren't doing this. It takes a lot of skill. It takes a, a, a really good tool, a mechanism to bring these people together. And it takes a really talented community moderator to do the back channeling, to have the relationships, to get that momentum going to where all of a sudden these relationships are happening. Yeah. It takes investment and mm-hmm. intentionality. Yeah. You can't just say, hey, let's create a community. Oh, and you know what? You put this as 20% of your goals for this upcoming year to build this community. No, like you have to have dedicated yeah. resources to be able you to do, do that. No, I've, I've tried to do it part-time-ish. It, it doesn't really work. A huge shout out to the community roundtable. You know, I, I got a certification through that and that helped tremendously. And that's really helped with CX Accelerator. Uh, online community that I moderate for CX professionals, which is all about just career growth in this field of CX and and learning how to effectively curate those relationships and bring engagement and do that back channeling, unlock volunteer capabilities. It's a science. Yeah. Yeah. One of the end results of having a community is the community members feeling valued. And that's what Every person wants, you know, no matter what your goals are, one of your goals is for you to feel valued, that other people value you and being part Mm -hmm. of the community that helps so much. I mean, yeah, I've been talking a lot about mission driven CX lately (laughs) and how brands are having to take a bold stance in terms of who they are and what they stand for. We're, We're no longer all things to all people as an organization. Not, not everybody should be our customer. But in most in most situations, there are some products and services where, yeah, you can add that simple value to, to anyone. But for most situations, especially as you get more and more complex and deep into that role of guide to a specific outcome that's very intrinsic to their lives, suddenly you take on this, this nature where you, you've got to be a certain thing. You've got to take a bold stance in terms of what your core values are, and you're attracting a specific group of customers and people to you. And when you can bring them together and, and galvanize that relationship peer-to-peer with, within that ecosystem, oh, it, it's just amazing how much identity can be collected there. And you as the brand, you're really the ones that are receiving the, the value from that and, and the recognition of that effort by bringing them together, being true to those core values, and, and giving people a place where they can be themselves and achieve their definition of success together. Oh, Yeah. And I think there's a big return that comes from that. One, you know, you, you've got more loyal customers when they're part of that community. And two, you've got customers who are willing to help show you where that friction lies right. without them being the ones that say, yeah, here's the friction and I'm gone. You know what? Here's the friction point without pointing the finger at you. Yeah, so the mentality is totally different. And so suddenly yeah. it's not, I'm going to bake you in this tweet and make you yeah. suffer for the sins you've caused in my life. It's like, oh, 
I love this brand. I, I want to make sure they understand this and that they can help fix this so that we together, <laughs> we, this community of us that love this brand, it can be even better. And therefore, we can be even better as we improve, uh, you know, in this reciprocal relationship with one another. Yeah, it's giving them a level of empowerment. Yeah, they have skin in the game, which is yeah. <laughs> obviously so important for buying of any kind and certainly with customer loyalty. There you go. All right. So on the flip side of customer experience, you've got the employee experience. So I'm curious, how do you see the employee experience tying to customer experience? Yeah. Well, so I have one one story I like to tell. I had this uh, really neat voice of customer program uh, that I was orchestrating within a, a major safety science company. And uh, it, it had to do with unstructured feedback in the form of conversations. There's people all over the business having these great conversations with customers and the customers were giving feedback on it, but we weren't capturing the feedback portion of the conversation at all. At best, we would just capture the the nature of the issue and try to resolve it. But the impact beyond just the immediate issue resolution, like the larger gift of feedback, it was all being lost. So oh, I was like, wow. what, what if we just put a little USB web key on everybody's desk and it's just a voice of customer button? Okay. And, and whenever they get the gift of that feedback from a customer, boop, they hit their button. It takes them to this ultra simplified little VOC form. They just nice. capture that feedback. Me and my team would close the loop on each and every one of those that would come in through that very simplified VOC vehicle. It was working. It was working quite well. And I was actually giving a button to a, a representative from our sales team at the time. And she mm-hmm. goes, so this is just for customer feedback. So anytime the customer is saying this and that, you know, we, we hit this button and put it in. Well, yeah, that, that's what it does. What about my button? What about yeah. my voice? Yeah. And I'm just like, don't have a button for that. Uh, and we did it. Like we really you did it. have one too. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I mean, it's not about, you know, having left and right USB keys. It's, it's about that philosophy, right. that mentality of, oh my goodness, I have missed a critical step here. So I love how Denise Leone talks about this overlap when she talks about we, we as an organization, we're giving a gift to our own people and we're wrapping that gift up. And, and it's this hopefully this good and compelling gift. That gift is the only thing that they have to give to the customer. <laughs> right. Is that gift that they are being given. So if it's a sloppy gift, if it's inconsistent, the way that that's being given to our people, they're going to be passing on a sloppy slash inconsistent gift to the customer. And the customer's not going to like what they're getting. They're, they're not going to be able to relate yeah. to that. It's going to be very confusing to them, this gift that they're sort of being given by the organization. So we have to solidify the gift of the employee experience first. So we have to go through the same stages that we do with a customer experience change. We have to have that voice of employee engine there (laughs) to know the thoughts and perceptions of people towards our brand, our own people. We have to have that before we can build up a giant voice of customer engine. We have to have that VOC mechanism in place, that VOE mechanism in place. Yeah. And, and then, so the next stage is that CX Change Coalition, this group of leaders that are uniting together to fulfill the common purpose of the stated ideal customer journey. Roll it back. Who in the organization is responsible for the employee journey? Do you have an EX Change Coalition? This is not an HR job. No. So much bigger and broader than it is your leaders together that are responsible for creating the employment experience of their team 
you are uniting them together in terms of what that ideal employment journey looks like. What is the gift that we're giving to them? What makes this gift different than the gift of the organization next door? It should be different. And you have to define that. And then once you know what that looks like and you can give that gift to your people, then you're ready to do CX. Yeah, because you can try to deliver the greatest, most remarkable, most outstanding customer experience in the world. But if you're not already delivering a great experience to your employees, you'll never get there. It's the most empty and shallow pursuit. It will not last. It's not sustainable. It doesn't feel authentic. The customer will see right through it and your employees will stop delivering on it. Yeah. Because they don't have the gift themselves to give. Exactly. And they'll, they'll either stop delivering it or they'll walk away. 100%. The good ones will walk away. Yeah. Your A players will not play with C players for long. That comes from Petra Coaching. And it's Ooh. so true. The, the people that can tolerate that type of inauthenticity, oh, they'll stick around. Yeah. And they're exactly the ones that you don't want there. Your best people will leave the organization so that they can serve people better and they can be the guide in the way that they want to be. Wow. Wow. Love that. All right. So there's one thing that I think not many other people know about you is that you're a beekeeper. Oh, <laughs> all my bees are dead, Matt. <laughs> oh, are they? Okay. Oh, you know what? Well, Sorry. No, it's okay. I'm an ex-beekeeper. I will be trying again. Turns out bees are very finicky and uh, you have to really know what you're doing in order to keep those little boogers alive. Well, and that leads to my question. I'm curious (laughs) if you've learned any lessons from beekeeping that relate to the customer experience. (laughs) Yeah, well... So one one thing that's fun about bees, I mean, think about the, the territory that bees acquire nectar in. We're talking about miles and miles of, of radius, and there's a lot of competition out there for the nectar. Yeah. Uh, if, if a bee f- successfully finds pollen or, or that nectar, she will come back to the hive and she will do a little dance. It's, it's this little motion <laughs> announcing the, the exact location of where the honeypot is. Where the oh, nectar, wow. where the pollen is. And, and everybody has the ability to interpret that dance and know where to go and go also be a part of that reserve <laughs> to feed the queen and to feed the hive. And therefore, the entire hive is much healthier. Now, think about most organizations. And when you find something special, something good, something that could put you up on a pedestal, what, what do you do with that, Matt, generally speaking? Well... I myself want to share it. Too many people. You're a good person. (laughs) Yeah. We don't do the dance. We we come back to the hive. Nope. And we don't do the dance. We we hide where that thing is so that I can get my bonus target. I'm going to go back to that reserve quarter after quarter. I'm going to use that relationship. I'm going to abuse that customer a little bit. I'm going to take this this wealth of research that I have found. I'm going to sequester it away. And I'm going to use it to feel my own ambition, to feel my own needs, to protect myself, to keep my job, preserve this, preserve my standing, keep my power, acquire the money, whatever it is. And and that type of self-preservation is what most organizations have a whole employee population of people that think that way. Only by creating that circle of psychological trust (laughs) 
Yeah. That safe environment in which people actually want to serve each other. (laughs) They're intrinsically motivated to make the hive stronger because you're doing something good together. And if the queen dies, you die in a bee colony. If the business dies, you don't have a job anymore. So let's think about how we can make this organization stronger, how we can galvanize relationships across it so that we can we can be the guide in in a way that's really going to make a difference and preserve this relationship with with our customers, even in difficult times. Right now is not the time to start doing great employee and customer experience work. We're, We're entering into what might be a difficult season for a lot of businesses. The time was a year or two years ago, creating this circle of psychological trust. It gives you the ability to weather the storm and to be strong, even in these difficult periods of time. I'm not saying not to start. You still need to do it. Yeah. But, but the time was before. And so now is the time, you know, if you haven't been. But uh, we will see a lot of organizations that are, are doing this, that have bees that are willing to do the dance and they're truly serving the organization, those are the organizations that are going to thrive in this period of time. Hopefully that's the case. And I like how you talked about having that mindset of self-preservation. That's what can happen as individuals. Like as an individual professional, if I've got a mindset of self-preservation, then I want to be the one that succeeds and I don't care as much about my team. Yep. But then at the same time, you may have a leader who says, okay, I, they, they may have that same mindset and have that mindset around their team, their organization. That goes back to what we were talking about earlier. We're quick to point the fingers at everybody else. It's not our fault. I'm just trying to preserve my team. And then having that mindset of self-preservation for mm. your own company. Okay, our company is just trying to survive right now. So we're going to do everything we can to self-preserve ourselves without focusing on the customer. So it's flipping the whole script and saying, okay, instead of self-preservation, let's look at customer preservation. Let's look at community preservation. And when we do that, we're all going to be on the same team with that focus. And then everyone will not only survive, everyone will thrive. It's incredibly hard. It takes incredible maturity yeah. on behalf of the business. And it's breaking free of that quarterly shareholder mentality that generally is going to be so present in the minds and actions of these executives. But it is the way that we secure our future as a business. Yeah. And it's got to take some mature and brave people to stand up and say, like, this 100%. is the way. Yeah. And and generally, it's going to need to be executives first. Yeah. It, it can be a an organic movement punching up and setting the example and changing hearts and minds. But that's a much longer and more difficult path than, than those that have that ability, control, and influence to set that precedence and bring people together upward and towards that mentality. Yeah. It has to be a top-down approach and a bottom-up approach, yeah, truly. Which, which goes back to that change management coalition. Uh-huh. Well said, Matt. Yes. Hooray. <laughs> Let's go do it. But before we do, I got one last question for you, Nate. Okay. If you were to create a five-song soundtrack for your work, what songs <laughs> would you put? Okay. So I did premeditate on this a little bit yesterday night. Nice. Uh, so the first song I've selected I think it might be one that you'll remember. It may be even like, it is New Radicals, You Get What You Give. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. Great song. And it's so true it. about, you know, just let's have the courage to change the dynamic around us and just to be generous with, with these gifts right. and to serve those around. That's what I take from that song. Uh, but they have that brilliant line in there of uh, you're running into trouble. Uh, yeah. I'm not, I'm right behind you. Like, here I am. like you can count on me to be with you together. And that's that circle of trust. So I, I yeah. think that's an awesome song. My second one is, is hello by Lionel Richie. And uh, so I'm, I'm working on, and it's not ready to be released. I'm working on a CX parody of that song uh, <laughs> that I think is going to be really good. So, <laughs> so you can hold tight there, Matt. I am anxious to hear that when it comes out. That's going to be a super fun one. And then uh, a naturally highway to the danger zone by Kenny Loggins. Yeah. If I need a, a pep up, uh, Top Gun was my favorite movie growing up. Oh, there you and go. So, I mean, that just brings me back into that mentality of a little bit of that maverick mode, you know, that I was in for so long in my life as a golfer, you know, that lone wolf mentality, you know, that's really right. kind of maverick, but it, it does bring me back into that mentality of I, I'm going to bust some stuff up. I'm going to do some stuff. I'm going to overcome yeah. some stuff. Um, I, I certainly have the maturity now to to do that in community with others. <laughs> but, you know, having that little motivational pep is sometimes important. The fourth one is a little more serious. So it is Leader of the Band by Dan Fogelberg. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, Dan Fogelberg is, is absolutely my all-time favorite songwriter. And, really? Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, the two-song gazette, uh, yes. song for a carpenter, just incredible storytelling capabilities, that beggar's game. Yeah, so I, Dan Fogelberg is remarkable to me. But I love leader of the band, especially because it, it it puts us in that mind of, are, are we building a legacy through the relationships that we have in our lives right now? And it talks a lot about his father and how his brothers have selected different paths, but his father gave him this gift of music and how much impact that that's had on, on his life. And it's all about, you know, this, this relationship that he has with his father and thereby through music. And so, you know, I've got an incredible relationship with my father and so I, I just love that song. It's so inspiring to me. And, and I want to be a good dad, you know, to my two daughters, you know, I'm, I'm working on creating that legacy for them. But then even in the relationships that I have with the people that I work with right now, right? I want to be the guide for them in a way in this moment in their lives where they're, they're looking to become the person that they want to become. I want to help them a little bit on that journey, inspire them a little bit, give them a new energy, give them a new idea, a new confidence to where they can be that person that they want to become. Um, so that that legacy thinking, I, I think, is so important in CX work, because, again, we're trying to maximize these customer relationships and break free of those shortcuts that we often take. Um, so love, love that song. And then my last one is it's just fun, fun, fun by the Beach Boys. And uh, <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> I feel like, you know, a lot of times we get so overwhelmed and we get so serious about yeah. you know, the stuff that we're doing. A lot of times if, if you just put on a smile and just help people to have fun and, and put that little bit of curiosity and excitement in the designs that you're creating, I mean, it's just going to make everybody a little happier. And it's amazing the power that that curiosity and that fun can have in the work of CX. Wow. Love that. No, that's an eclectic mix. I, I, I love you. hearing those songs and <laughs> love the focus on, you know, that it's going to be difficult. It can be dangerous at times, but it can also be fun. But also at the end of the day, it's got to be bigger than you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, very well summarized, Matt. Cool. Hooray. You're very good at doing that. Yeah. I'm impressed. <laughs> I've had some practice. <laughs> Nate, I have really enjoyed this discussion. I've learned a lot just today, but where can people go to learn more from you? Yeah, I mean, hop on over to arise.com. 
Uh, we're, we're great at connecting great people with great brands. Um, so we'd love to help with that. Uh, CX Accelerator, for those that are looking to to move forward in their CX career and gain that that inspiration through an, an awesome community there. And I'm on Twitter as CX Accelerator. So we'd love to connect on Twitter. Excellent. Thank you. Nate, I'm grateful for your friendship and I'm grateful for you being here today. Thank you so much. Thank you, everybody. Have a wonderful day out there. Matt, thank you for helping people to, to create great, simple experiences. You rock.